1: Today's episode is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard, but 2020 has been one of the weirdest years ever, but also one of the best golf years ever for the industry. And WorldwideGolfShops.com has all of the great gear from all of the top brands, including training aids, apparel, and accessories, everything that you need to get you on the course and playing a little bit better. So go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com today.
0: You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for
1: in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. This is the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, and I'm your host, Adam, from GolfUnfiltered.com. Follow us all over social media at GolfUnfiltered.com. Send me an email, adam at golfandfilter.com, and you can listen to this show on the hackersparadise.com podcast network along with our friends over at Off Course and Range Days. Hello to our friends over at Cleveland, Srixon, and Zegzio as well. You've seen a few fo- photos of the, uh, the new finishes of the uh, Cleveland's RTX Zip wedges, the black satin, as well as the Tour Rack, which is my personal favorite. Uh, those are fantastic, so be sure to go check those out over at clevelandgolf.com. Today, folks, we welcome back on Mr. Adam Rayberg from Bridgestone Golf. He's been on the show a number of times. He's definitely one of my favorite people in the game, not only because he definitely knows his stuff about Bridgestone golf balls and all things Bridgestone, but also he's just a huge golf fan. And if you follow both of us on social media, you know that he and I can get into it sometimes going back and forth, particularly about today's topic. Bryson DeChambeau, obviously that man just accomplished something that many, many people aspire to do, and that is win the U.S. Open, and he did so in a very unique way, and so who better to talk to about the technology that he used, the approach that he used, and the golf ball that he used, than Mr. Adam Rayburg from Bridgestone Golf. So sit back and relax, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation, we'll be right back after a quick word from our friends over at Asher Golf. Tired of wearing the same crusty, boring white glove every round? Well, let me tell you about my favorite golf brand right now, Asher Golf, a glove and apparel company with a lack of respect for the mundane. In fact, Asher just released a special collection set today called the Tonal Collection, featuring three premium gloves made from single cut of AAA cabretta leather The collection is inspired by the earth element and their subtle tones. Featuring three shades of gray, this set adds a quiet statement to any on-course outfit to reflect your inner confidence. Get your limited edition collection set today at AsherGolf.com. Welcome back, folks. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I am pleased to welcome back onto the podcast, I think for the third or fourth time now, one of my most favorite people in the game of golf, Mr. Adam Rayberg. He is from Bridgestone Golf. Adam, it's nice to speak with you once again.
0: Yes, sadly enough, I think it is the third time. Um, can't <laughs> believe you have the audacity to have me on multiple times, but here I am.
1: Well, you keep saying yes, and so as long as you keep doing it, I'm going to keep inviting you. Well, you know, obviously we are here today, as I mentioned at the top of the show, to talk about Bryson DeChambeau's win at the 2020 U.S. Open. And Adam is a uh, individual who is very close to Bryson insofar as not only uh, helping him with new products, but also helping you. You are involved with him in the, the design elements of, of the new golf balls. Is that correct or no?
0: Yes, totally correct. Um, Kind of worked with him all the way up into the the development of the new X with the new reactive cover. So yeah, heavily involved with everything going on. Also a lot of good involvement with R&D and myself leading up to the actual US Open. So got some kind of good stories about that as well.
1: Awesome. And we're going to get into those stories too here, folks. But I think, Adam, what you and I are going to do is talk a little bit from a golf fan perspective of course but also we want to touch on all those stories that you can only bring uh, your unique perspective to having been in such close contact with Bryson but let's start with the products themselves now you have been on the show in the past to talk about uh, the new Bridgestone golf ball including the reactive cover that you just mentioned to what degree we've been hearing a lot about what Bryson's done to change his game. And I'd imagine that you have been in touch with him to talk about how his new game uh, can be benefited from the new product. Uh, how did those conversations go? Uh, you said there was a lot of stories leading up to the open, maybe pull back the curtain a little bit to let us know how that worked. All right. Well,
0: first I'll kind of go back uh, a couple of years. Um, so with him, you know, he's, He's a, he's he's kind of a nut. He's kind of crazy, but in the best possible way. Um, he is really understanding of standard deviation, which a lot of players don't really understand what standard deviation is. They know, oh, it's spread of shot, but really they're talking standard deviation. So for him standard deviation is very important as far as not only the distance the ball goes, but also the spin, the spin coming off shots around the greens uh, from the rough. And I'll kind of talk about that a little bit uh, more about how important the rough shots are for him. But um, you know, all that type of stuff is so important for him. So when we, when we started working on kind of the reactive cover with him, you know, a few years ago, you know, I guess, two and a half, three years ago now, is when we kind of started down the route of um, reactive cover with him in Texas. Um, You know, we have all these prototypes. He's testing them. But for him, it was very important, like I said, that standard deviation of spin. So we started looking at those things, and he started to, to understand what makes the ball perform stably, you know, the most stable in all shots and stability for him also means how the ball flies. And we found, we found that, you know, him hitting shots and it more stable on the face allows the flight of the ball to be more stable. And, um, just kind of fast forwarding to Eastlake just a few weeks ago. Um, I saw him down in Atlanta and we had a really good conversation, which first started with his caddy, Tim, who's an awesome guy. So Tim kind of grabbed us to the side and you know, U.S. Open was on their mind. I mean, it's 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 looming. He played so great at the PGA. Tim grabbed us and was like, "Hey, you know, his eyes are, you know, of course, is on this week. There's a lot going on here at East Lake, but he's like, he's really focused on kind of the, the major, the U.S. Open, and he knows the rough's going to be big. Our game plan's going to be bomb it. You know, hit it down there as much as we can. We're going to stick with that and see how it goes. Um, so that rough data was so important. So basically what our R and D team got working on, um, they have a way that they can test, um, rough from the robot. Um, it's a, you know, mixture of, you know, some sort of paper and then, you know, uh, moisture on the, on the club to make it stick and all this type of stuff. But Hmm. me and him kind of went down to the left side of the range and we moved over to the rough, like really thick juicy salad lie over there on the left side of the range that, Eastlake and we started hitting these shots and we started looking at this data and he started kind of picking my brain and I was picking his brain about, you know, what do you do? You know, what are you doing to impact the ball? Are you, are you feel like you're, you're scooping, you know, from the rough? Are you trying Mm -hmm. to be steep? So I'm trying to understand his angle of attack, what his closure rate is, you know, all those type of things, which affect what the ball is going to do in the air. So he's trying to figure out how to make the most stable shot he can possibly do you know, from the rough, which is, is hard to do because right. the rough is all over the place. That's the purpose of golf. That's how it's supposed to punish you. Is you don't really know what it's going to do. Are you going to catch a flyer? Or are you going to catch one that comes out dead? So he's trying mm-hmm. to figure out all these factors and figure out what the ball is going to do. Is it going to fly from this rough? Is it going to fly if I, you know, are shallower or steeper or those type of things? So those are all of the things that goes on. Kind of in the background with him and working with our team, and I mean, he's just—he's so connected. He's—he's he's the most connected player to our R and D team, and me, and in, in the golf ball fitting category of any player that I've ever worked with at Bridgestone.
1: And that—that that is quite the statement, because let's not forget that you also worked with this fellow named Tiger Woods, and you know, he's known to also have uh, to be pretty in tune with R and D on his own accord.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tiger is um, definitely during the process. He is as much hands-on as anybody in the company. But the the, the little bit of difference between Tiger and Bryson, once that ball is kind of completed and finished, Tiger's just, he's kind of done. He's like, okay, this is the ball. I helped work with you guys. I understand it. I know it. It's kind of, I'm going to work. And, you know, he has his own people, track man and all that kind of stuff. So he kind of takes it from there where Bryson Mm – You know, I I think being a younger, you know, 27 versus Tiger in his 40s, Bryson is just learning all the time. He's he's picking the brains. I mean, we had a Zoom call with him Friday, the week before the U.S. Open to talk about other things. So he's just I mean, how often we ever had a Zoom call with a player, you know, the week before a major has probably been next to none in the company history. But he's just he's all the time trying to learn and You know, everybody kind of pokes at him because of that. He's like, oh, he's such a nerd, and he's all this. But he's really just a sponge, and he's absorbing all this information and, you know, trying to learn what the ball's going to do at the best possible level. Because, I mean, we all do it, right? When you got a ball in the rough, we look at it. And what do we do? We guess. We guess exactly what it's going to do. Well, it looks like a flyer, you know, from nine irons, 140. I think it's going to go about 145. And and we take a good guess at what it's going to do. What he's trying to do is better understand how to make a better hypothesis, which is a scientific, educated guess at what the ball is going to do. So he's trying to add, of course, there's an outlier of, I don't really know what it's going to do because it's a juicy lie, but can I understand, can I be 75% sure that it's going to do this? You know. So that's what he's trying to do with the rough, and it, it surely paid off pretty good because all week I watched him hit those shots from the rough at the U S open, like everybody did. And he just, boom, he's in the fat of the green, and he's two putting for par. And when he's in the fairway, he's being aggressive to the green and trying to make birdies,
1: you know, and I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, and that's just the way that Bryson, uh, played the U S open. And I think this is where listeners, if you follow me and Adam on Twitter, you saw us go <laughs> back and forth a few times. Um, So if I understand correctly, the game plan always was to just go out there and bomb it, as his caddy told you. And was it so far as, I'm going to just hit it as far as I can. I know I'm going to be in the rough a bunch of times. I don't care. I need to be able to recover as quickly as possible. Was that kind of the, the takeaway that you had in working with him while hitting balls out of the rough at Eastlake?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that he feels so confidently now about his ability to recover from the rough. He has, I mean, we all know he has incredible speeds. He has those speeds even in his low irons. He's probably even much faster than anybody in the history of the game in his low irons because, as you well know, he his, his short irons are longer than a typical short iron. So he's actually generating more speed probably than anybody ever has with a 9-iron, with an 8-iron, with a pitching wedge. So in his mind generating speed what does that do? That increases ball velocity when you hit it, which increases spin, which if you're coming from the roughs probably going to increase his launch angle at impact. So all those things are factoring into his his thought process of how he should play the game. Do I lay back and have a 7 iron from the from the fairway or, you know, typically you're going to still miss the fairway, you know, even if you're hitting those layback shots and and that's what uh, on the broadcast a lot was talk was spoken about that is like okay these guys that are laying back hitting three woods and two irons man they're they're kind of also hitting in the rough because it's still tight back there so his thought right. process is i'm going to miss fairways even when i try to kind of lay back and hit it left of the bunker or short of the bunker so i'm going to get down there i'm confident in my wedges i've been working with Bridgestone constantly on understanding what it's going to do from the rough so let's do it let's Let's take it to the course. So let's take it to a major. Let's put it to the test. I mean, he's obviously done it the last few weeks. You know, he wanted Rocket Mortgage. He played amazing at the PGA. Um, a couple little things goes his way on, I think, Friday. And he's right there at the PGA. He finished fourth. So he's feeling really confident about that port- part of his game. And his speed and his distance gives him kind of a really good advantage over probably 75, 80% of the field right there. So that's his mindset, and Tim said, we're going to go down there, and that's the game plan is to hit it as close to the green as possible. And what's crazy is he's not that, um, I guess, what's the word, spray? He doesn't spray the ball that much. I mean, he yeah, right. he didn't hit a ton of fairways, but neither did anybody else. It wasn't like he was dead bottom of the list. So, you know, he hit a decent amount compared to the distance he hits it. And the good thing is is he's a very highly skilled athlete that knows how to play it from the rough i mean he wasn't chunking shots short of the green he was hitting him on the green and he's two putting sometimes he had good looks at birdie from the rough
1: and i think that gets to you know what does that mean for the game itself and i you know that's probably a big jump that we can get into here but <laughs> i know for example one of the benefits of of the new ball is that reactive cover. And the part of the reactive cover that benefits you and me the most is the fact that you get more distance off the tee without compromising spin on the shorter irons and around the green, like you mentioned earlier. And we've talked about on this show in the past, you know, when we hear something or when we see a player, certainly the caliber of Bryson go out and they just want to attack a golf course by doing exactly what you just described, hit it as far as they can kind of taking everything out of play and then having wedge, into many instances par fives and certainly during the week that that feels dirty to me (laughs) I don't know (laughs) I don't know I don't know how you feel about it I have a feeling I know how you feel about it but to me that's just not the way that the game was meant to be played in that instance but am I thinking of that the wrong way
0: Uh, of course you are completely (laughs) wrong (laughs) no I mean I, I, I totally understand what you're saying, and uh, you know you're you're just the, the the old man yelling at the clouds, sort of <laughs> get off my lawn. So it, it's time to get into the new generation. But it, all jokes aside, I I totally get that, and it it um there's a lot of benefit for a player to go out there and do what Bryson did. A lot of players now are more on the distant side, and of course they're they're playing very well. So. My point to that, and where I kind of disagree with you on that at that front, is that Bryson's out there and he's putting in the hard work to do that. It's if if distance is a part of the game that is a a huge benefit, then players are going to start you know optimizing that distance. But it doesn't end there for Bryson. He's doing all the things on the back end. I mean, he's the one of the biggest thing that maybe we can take zero credit for at Bridgestone is how amazing that guy's putting. I mean, that's one thing that's getting overlooked during this whole thing. And he is putting phenomenal. And he puts a ton of work in that. He has the phantom camera that he brings out for a lot of that, which we don't have anything to do with. And he's studying what the ball's doing, the roll, you know, how to turn it over. I mean, a year and a half ago, when he was not playing to his level, what he thought was his um, precise level, he got with us and we wanted, you know, that roll in the ball, instantly rolling. So, We worked with his putter people, which are sick, and we wanted to get the ball rolling as fast as we can, so we did some tests. But anyway, there's a lot of things involved with what he does. And, I mean, it's – you know, distance is going to always be a thing that puts elite players even closer to the top. I mean, if you look throughout history, you know, Jack was one of the longest guys when he came out, you know, especially at the beginning, his – you know, probably the first one-third or two-thirds of his career – Arnold was the same way. I mean, you can say what you want about Gary and Seve and all those guys. They were long compared to the field. I mean, that's one of the thing that gets that gets misinterpreted. I mean, you're going to have your mm-hmm. Trevinos of the world that are outliers. Trevino was never a long guy compared to the field. He was probably maybe a little above average, but you know, one of the best ball strikers to ever touch a ball or a club. So you're going right. to have those instances of of people that are throughout. I mean, of course, you look at Spieth. Spieth was never one of the longest guys but just a phenomenal A-plus everywhere. You know, he putted at A-plus, he wedged at A-plus, he he drove it like an A-minus, and then he did everything else great. I mean, but, you know, distance is always going to be something. The thing that that I think ruffles a lot of guys' feathers about Bryson is he just mm-hmm. comes out and says it and says what he's going to do. He's going to say, I'm just going to hit – I mean, Brooks, that's, I guarantee that's Brooks' plan when he won all those majors It's just – bomb it down there as much as I can. If it's a hole that doesn't have OB or hazard, I'm going to hit my driver down there as far as I can and wedge it out. And, and you know, if I hit a fairway, then I got a daggum lob wedge into the green from the fairway. But if I hit in the rough, I got a lob wedge into the green from the rough. Like I don't yeah. see any detriment to that. So a lot of guys on tour now, the drivers are great. They're low spin. They're maybe just as accurate with their drivers as their three woods and two irons, and they just feel comfortable with it.
1: And and those are, you know, really good points, obviously. And, you know, this the, the intent here is to not necessarily knock anything related to the benefits of, you know, the equipment that that Bryson is using, because I think that is well documented. And certainly, uh, you know, the same equipment is made available to all of us, by the way, more or less. Certainly we can get in down a rabbit hole and talk about prototype <laughs> equipment, but which we won't do. But the other side of it, too, and to the point that you rose about the longer hitters of the past, You know, I have trouble with that argument because certainly there have always been players who have been longer than others, but not to the degree that we're seeing now. And, you know, obviously technology has increased, has improved over time exponentially in some instances, but it's almost as if the the courses themselves are an afterthought where... You can just go and you can play the same game and you can literally take out features that were included on the course, such as trees, dog legs and what have you hazards and just completely negate those things now. And I know, uh, you know, certainly it's not lost on me, sir, that I'm talking to someone who works, you know, at a company that that, uh, you know, develops golf balls, among other things. But as a golf fan, do you see that as. You know, a shift in the way that the game itself, at its core, needs to respond to because we're not going to see less Bryson DeChambeau's. I would imagine.
0: No, we're you know we're gonna. I mean, it it started with Tiger, right? I mean, this generation of Bryson and JT, Ricky, all these guys are kind of spawned from seeing Tiger grow up and you know really bomb it in '97 and be kind of ahead of the game. So. To that point, no. I don't. I, don't, I think we're going to see many more Bryson DeChambeau's, especially after he was already a really good player before this. But if if kind of implementing that in a part of your game can kind of bring you to the next level, then it kind of proved the point of like, okay, he's won twice. He won a major, you know, since doing this. But anyway, to your other point about the golf course, um, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm some connoisseur of garf golf, golf act architecture on the golf course but um i i I agree with you in that standpoint i do think that the uh, the pga tour and the majors are going to have to do a good job of understanding how the course plays in the more modern game i mean obviously the modern game changed when the ball changed in the 2000s and then obviously now we might be looking at kind of another bump in guys wanting to hit driver you may have to look at For the PGA Tour. Now, for your everyday golfer, yeah, don't, the courses are fine. You know, it's like playing in a, you know, baseball, right? You know, Fenway Park and Yankee Stadium and all these, you know, fields work better for the pros, but no average Joe could get out there and hit a home run with a wood bat over the fence. Right. But golf courses are kind of the same way to me. Golf courses are set up. You're going to play the blue tees. All right. Now the bunkers are right where I'm driving the ball at 270 or 280. You know, it's set up for me. Now you're going to start seeing guys average 300 you know carry 300 so bunkers that are sitting out there at 280 you know who they're going to affect the short hitters which are already getting screwed because they're not hitting it as far so they're going to have to start you know playing and redesigning these courses to where there's trees at 300 maybe there's hazards right at a 300 carry that are only there if you're going to hit driver and there's some courses that do a good job of that i mean there's some risk reward par fours that, like, yeah, if you're gonna drive it, there's a huge lake on the left. So you have to make that decision of whether you're gonna hit it 310. But if you roll in that lake, then your ball's gone. So, unfortunately, I think that a lot of our courses in the historic era that are historically amazing if you look at Augusta as one of them, hopefully they don't put a bag over my head and take me in a, in a van for saying <laughs> what's this, that but, red light. <laughs> but um, if you look at Augusta, I mean, they had to re make the golf course when the modern ball came along. Yeah. It was tiger. I get it. You know, you kind of lean, Oh, it's because of tiger, but it was really because of the modern golf ball and the modern driver. The driver got bigger. It got hotter. It got more consistent across the face. The ball, the core got better. You know, it got solid. And then we were able to kind of make a ball that didn't spin a lot off the tee, but then was long off the off the driver. So then, obviously, guys are going to start banging it longer. If you're more confident to hit the ball harder, and that's a, a big thing of Bryson, too, is, you know, with the technology like it is, he, he could never do this with a persimmon and a blotter ball. I mean, sure. I, I think we all understand that. He might could try, but, you know, putting that more – um hit on the ball where there's more spin there's more velocity it would be hard to control it just because you're adding those things the modern technology kind of allows you to do this and you know it's 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 something that everybody has a chance to put their hands on it's not something exclusive for the tour i think it's good for the game i don't think any amateur wants to hit it shorter i don't think any pro wants to hit it shorter I don't think we want to see pros hitting it shorter. I mean, I liked watching what Bryson did and Matt Wolf did. I like watching Dustin win. I loved watching what Jordan Speak did not too long ago. People forget it. it wasn't too long ago. He was one of the most dominant players in the game, and he hit it 290, you know. And so it, it all comes back down to skill. It's going to come down to that. It's going to come down to the skill of the player. Bryson's not going to go out there and win every week. I think he's going to win more consistent now that he understands the game and puts the time in to understand what the ball is going to do from the rough. I think we, plug here, have a good advantage with the ball with the reactive cover. It performs amazing from the rough. I think that gives him a little bit more, you know, that what he needs to control the ball. So um, architecture-wise, I guess the beginning of the question, I think they're going to have to keep continue to develop courses that work well for, PJ events. So you're going to hear freaking woke Twitter complain that they can't be at Seminole and they can't be at Sweetens Cove and stuff like right. that because those courses aren't built for a PJ tour event. Of course. No. Like it's just not going to happen. So, I mean, we all love those courses and they're amazing and they're really cool and lit on on Twitter right now and they're awesome, you know, but you, you can't have a PJ tour event just like you can't take the Yankees to your ballpark down the road here in Atlanta. And have them play a game because they're just going to hit bombs off of it. So it's, you know, it's it's the way the world's going to be. You can't have races now, at some racetracks, because race cars have gotten a whole lot better and a whole lot right. more aerodynamic. So they've made them non-existent. But, yeah, we remember those races that happened in the 40s at that racetrack. That's really cool, but you can't race there anymore. It's
1: just the way of the world. You know, that's actually a really good analogy there. And I mean, I am not a race fan, but uh, you know, that is something that, you know, certainly holds true. And I think, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about the most recent exhibition match that we just watched at, at the time of this recording uh, over at Payne's Valley. And, right. you know, I think, you know, that being a public course, they were playing from tees that no, you know, that no amateur should play from, of course, the Tiger tees, but You know, that actually looked like a course that certainly a lot of birdies would be made on, but they had a good mix of different challenges per hole, for example. You know, I think there's a lot of value, and I'd like your take on this too, in having one, maybe two drivable par fours where you actually say, all right, you've got all this distance. Can you harness it? And can you actually keep that dispersion tight, as we talked about earlier with Bryson? Uh, Do you see maybe more courses? going to public venues where we can maybe relatively see, Oh, I hit the ball here. The pro just hit it 40 yards past me. But also I know this drivable par four coming up is probably going to test them.
0: Oh, I would, I, you know, that's what the U S open does. So great. I love the fact that they go to all these courses that the public can experience. I like the PGA being able to do that. Uh, you know the private courses the augustas of the world and stuff like that are awesome because they give you that grandiose feeling of of elite level players playing something that we maybe can never achieve but i also love the fact seeing them going to the courses that you know i would like i would i would hope the guys when they choose that try to make it like you kind of said make it to where the pga players play it like you would you know what i'm saying you want to see them hitting from the same spots that you play right. You know, not they're not going to be hitting the same irons, obviously, because they're 20, 40 percent longer than most of the average golfers. But, you know, continuing to make the the game relatable is going to be tough because it's almost like we're getting this stretch away. Right. The guys are becoming longer. They're becoming I mean, the average player is becoming longer as well. But it feels like an unachievable, like Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa sort of vibe, you know, like, holy right. crap, these guys are hitting the ball in the upper decks. But it really, you know, as we all remember that summer it was pretty amazing to watch. So it's kind of that sort of deal. And I, I I hope the PGA tour and the majors continue to kind of kind of kind of do that. I think they will. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a major like, oh no, the, the game's really messed up and the, the tour looks so different and you know guys are gonna come irrelevant. I don't think that's gonna be the case. I think different guys are gonna win every week. I mean, last year, if you look at the PGA Tour, there was such a, an array of players that won. It was it was crazy. Young guys, you know, guys in their 40s. I mean, obviously, Tiger won Zozo last year, and he's 45, I believe. So, young, old. I mean, Tiger's a average distance driver of the ball right now. I mean, he's right. not one of the long guys. Maybe a little above average, but he's he's not a, you know, top-ten distance player. I mean, he's kind of mm-hmm. a ball striker back to his, what he's good at ball striker and, and putting the ball when he plays well, it's, it's a combination of those things. So I think an array of players, it's, you know, it's going to happen every time something like this happens, right? You know, Bryson, he won by six and everybody else, the entire field, the USGA did exactly what they wanted to do. Right. The, right. the rough got them. They shot over par, you know, it really got them in, in the stuff. But then Bryson, kind of had a great week, and he, mm-hmm. he putted amazing. He scrambled amazing, which you have to do at a U.S. Open, but then the focus seems to be all on you know his strategy off the tee, and it paid off, and it worked for him, and you know here we are talking about it, and I think it was a strategic, smart play for him, and I wonder if a bunch of other players would now kind of change the way they do it and kind of do the same thing, and it worked for Wolf. Wolf seemed to be hitting as many... Driver's is Bryson, and um, sure. he actually drove the ball further than Bryson. Bryson was fifth, I think, fifth or sixth in driving distance, and Wolf, I think, finished the week at number one. So,
1: yeah, there's there's a lot of long hitters out there, as you mentioned, and of course, the you know, as you also mentioned, the average driving distance is right around 300 yards now for the PGA Tour, and yep. and maybe you know, Father Time is something that really is the great equalizer because, like you said, Tiger, one of the people who were the longest ever at one point, now is kind of in the middle of the pack. And so, you know, once again, listeners, we're talking to Adam Rayberg here from Bridgestone Golf. And Adam, I know, uh, you know, we're up against the clock here a little bit, but I've got just a couple quick questions for you to get back to Bryson. You know, obviously, there's going to be a lot of attention paid on this guy now. He's the national champion, uh, certainly as a professional for the first time, being a winner of the U.S. Amateur in the past, as well as the NCAA. Uh, Where does... where does he land now? And I don't know how much you can comment on this in terms of the face of a brand. I mean, people are going to think of him when they think of Bridgestone and certainly that's good for you all. But let's not forget that, you know, Tiger who <laughs> certainly will never be overlooked. He's on your he's in your stable as well as many others. I mean, has uh, Bryson's marketing value has had to just shoot through the roof.
0: Yeah, we uh, I'll I'll it's quite amazing how he's kind of vaulted up there in the last couple years. I remember when he came to our factory as a young, skinny kid (laughs) from SMU, he was still at SMU and he went through the factory and he saw all the things. And I remember our, our head of manufacturing came over and grabbed me and he said, Oh, he's going to sign with us. And I said, well, why would you say that? He goes, he just went through the factory and he asked more questions than I've ever had any pro most pros come in here and they're just in awe He said he was asking about seam and grinding and all this stuff. And he said we had like all these – he was so shocked at our answers. And he said it makes me think he went to a couple other plants and, you know, did some tours. He goes, "I, there's no way he doesn't sign with us. But, you know, going back to that, it's been amazing seeing his kind of rise and back to that kid who came to now. We all thought he was going to be a great player for sure. You know, he was an amateur champion. He won the NCAA at the time. But, you know, he's really, you know, now he's a major champion. He's won seven times on tour. He's a major champion. It looks like he's going to stack up a few. I mean, obviously, he's got a um, couple majors to go to catch up with old Tiger <laughs> and, and get close to that. But as far as a brand, man, it, it's, it's hard to think that he's not going to be synonymous with Bridgestone, especially now. Um, I mean, we have the, the Masters coming up in a few weeks. He's the favorite. I don't think anybody can argue with that, especially if he does what he did at the U.S. Open and wins by six. Tiger's the defending champion. I mean, it's going to be really hard on what story is going to be bigger. I mean, I I obviously think Tiger is a big story because he's he's looking at the majors and, you know, he's such a favorite at at Augusta. It feels like when he walks through those hedges, he can just flip a switch on and and be the guy that could win that week without – and he looks like the guy who's going to win that week.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: has played decent at Augusta, and he really, he really wants Augusta. I mean, he's so happy with this U.S. Open, but I can tell you from a, it's almost like he wants it too much, and so I think going into to, to Augusta this time, he has so much confidence to where it could be dangerous what he's going to do there. I we're all we're all thinking he may run this thing like you did at the US Open and just try to dominate that course. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. I don't know if any person can do that. We haven't seen anybody dominate the course since, you know, Tiger did it in 97 in the 2000s. But, you know, typically nobody runs away with a win at Augusta. It all kind of levels out. But yeah, I, I guess coming back to your question of who's the guy, man, they're pretty close right now. Closer than we've ever had. I mean, Tiger's always been our guy and You know, been the one that we talked the most about, but you know, Bryson's kind of hogging some of that spotlight right now.
1: Well, and as uh, Mr. Rayberg just said, folks, you know, we do have the Masters coming up in a few weeks. Tiger is the defending champion, Bryson is the favorite. There's a commonality between those two with the ball that they're using, too. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Adam, thanks again for coming on to talk through a little bit of this. I know you got another call to jump on, uh, but before I let you go, October 30th, my friend mandalorian season two how excited are you
0: yeah i've been looking i've been watching all the trailers and it's really exciting we're gonna get some Django in there they're already (laughs) they're already talking about season three and four on these like behind the scenes sort of stuff so i think we're gonna have the mandalorian for a while i love that show i can't wait to see you know uh wandavision you know also you know comic book thing but the mandalorian season two looks amazing far John Favre is just an amazing you know, producer and director. So yeah. anything he does is great. And can't wait to see that and see what happens to the child.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. I knew you were a big Star Wars fan. Oh, so, yeah. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I, could do, again... I could
0: do a whole hour of talking about comic <laughs> books and Star Wars. We might have
1: to do that. We might <laughs> have to do that. All right, buddy. Well, thanks again. Go hop on your other call and we'll be in touch.
0: All right. Thanks, Adam thanks for having you on uh your bryson signed pictures in the mail by the way so you should get it in oh
1: database. i f- <laughs> appreciate that thanks <laughs>